Just give us one hour, and we'll help you change the way you think about happiness. Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen is a fresh talk radio approach promoting happiness from the inside out. Happiness is a choice, and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Each week, Lisa shines her light on well-being and global human flourishing by presenting a diverse and proactive collection of the greatest thinkers and doers who have devoted their lives to creating a better world in which to live. As a filmmaker, positive psychology coach, author, professor, and change agent specializing in the field of happiness, Lisa Cybers Kamen is widely recognized as an expert in the field. On the show, she also focuses on military families and service personnel returning with PTSD, traumatic brain injury, and other post-deployment civilian life reintegration issues. So, let's spend some time getting to the heart of the matter on Harvesting Happiness on toginet.com. And now, here's your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Good afternoon and good evening wherever you are. Welcome to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio, where we explore the very serious business of happiness, sustainable well-being, and human flourishing. We are not talking about that annoying yellow smiley face. No, no, no. We're talking about something much deeper and critical to the success of humanity. Authentic happiness is not selfish, egotistical, or narcissistic. In fact, it is essential in order for humankind to thrive. Sustainable happiness is important because it not only elevates our own well-being locally, but also contributes to collective global flourishing. The achievement of a happy life is positively good for us, and it is constructively good for those around us. In short, happiness matters. Happiness comes from the heart, and this show is all about the heart. And in keeping with that heart-centered theme, today's topic is social entrepreneurship, why we do what we do for the greater good, you know, and the give back is so great. And my first guest today exploring this topic is Shireen Laoraz Salemnia, who is the founder and CEO of Playworks, an independent interactive media company that creates high-quality, innovative, multi-platform, immersive experiences that engage children and adults. She's also the founder of Wiz Girls Academy, where students engage in exciting projects that help them acquire skills in the areas of coding, entrepreneurship, and more, while building confidence and growing as members of the community. Shireen previously worked at MGA Entertainment on Bratz and Mattel on Barbie, where she performed ongoing research and analysis of industry trends, consumer motivations, and competitor activity. At MGA, she was responsible for designing the Play Lab, where children would gather for in-house research. She's done so many things, and I want to get into the history and how and how Shireen evolved from um, big business to wanting to take those skills and to help young girls be empowered. Good morning, Shireen. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Thank you so much for having us. Oh, my pleasure. I am really eager to learn your story and to learn about Chick's learning code <laughs> because that really interests me since it's foreign it's like Cyrillic to me you know ironically I learned how to code on my own a couple of years ago not by choice I had to because I started a tech company so I can relate 
It's fascinating. So let's talk about the, the dream job, your dream job. So when I was little, I saw the movie Big with Tom Hanks, and that's what I wanted to do ever since I saw the movie. I mean, I think I was like 11 or 12 at the time, and everyone I told, you know, that's what I wanted to do, they kind of laughed at me. They were like, what? Is that a real job? That's not serious. It's just a movie. And I would always say, well, I think Mattel's only a Fortune 500 company, which is true. It was. And they had um, three full-time toy testers. Uh, and, but a full, uh, I think there was like 40 people in the research department only on Barbie and the girls division. So it's big business. It's big business. And let's talk about Bratz for just a nanosecond because it is a billion dollar brand. And anybody that either has a, a, a teenage girl or a little girl, as as I do, or had one, knows about these Bratz girls. They are, uh, they really redefined play doll for our youth today because these girls were different they were they had attitude right that's absolutely right you know uh, ironically whenever anyone went me they said oh you know was Bratz modeled after you and I said you know I was at Barbie when Bratz came out but I kept hearing, <laughs> hearing about it and I was curious because uh, I had a graduate degree so I majored in child psychology uh, in college I went to Cal State Northridge and every day I heard at Mattel, you know, you need to go back to get a grad degree or a PhD to come back and, you know, excel at Mattel. And I feel like I was never going to leave there, but I decided to take the leap of faith and go back to school. But ironically, I ended up at MGA, which was right around the corner from Cal State Northridge. And I started the research department at MGA. And within six months, um, they asked me to become the brand manager for Bratz. And that was about a year into the brand at launching. Wow. Well, what a story. And and you're actively involved with organizations such as Women in Gaming, an advisor to the L.A. Film School video game department, Boys and Girls Clubs, Girls in Techs, Girl Scouts, and the White House Council of Women and Girls. And what I love about what you've created and, and empowering particularly young girls and women to step into the technology fields, this is, this is where it's at. This is our future. You know, it's interesting because I grew up in the era of Atari and Nintendo. And I, like, I, I always confess whenever I'm on a panel or something, I'm a gamer. I may not look like one. But I grew up with Ms. Pac-Man and Donkey Kong and The Legend of Zelda and Super Mario Brothers. And those kind of games, unfortunately, don't exist anymore. So I wanted to bring that back in a fun way. But also, I noticed that a lot of girls around my age love Ms. Pac-Man and those kind of games. But like I said, gaming went a little dark. And my last things that I did uh, at, when I worked on Bratz was virtual worlds. And everything was becoming digital uh, YouTube had just come out. Fashion Doll was declining fast because we were getting super techie. And this is like pre-iPad and app. So imagine now, you know, how the Fashion Doll business is doing. It's it's a different world. Well, you know, you said something about the ga- gaming world being very dark. I also have a boy. So I've got the, the girl who is very active in the Bratz world, but now doesn't really possess a lot of interest in the tech world, unfortunately. But I have this boy who is almost 15, and it, it is all about blood, guts, and roughing it up. You know, there's a real difference between how these genders operate 
You're absolutely right. And when we've got these girls that possess so much talent and brain power and skill, how do you, through the Whiz Girls Academy, bring the girls back around and get them excited about technology? All right. Well, two things. One is I realized at MGA that everyday parents were coming in and complaining about how Bratz and Barbie weren't positive role models for their daughter. So that was like a clear sign for me because I was starting to lose the passion and I was starting to see that there's a lot shifting in the space, especially digital, like I mentioned earlier. And another thing that happened was Gina Davis came out with her Gender and Media Institute. I don't know if you're aware of what she's done. But she goes around to the UN and different production companies talking about how it's important to have positive female role models in the media because she played the first female president and now there's nothing for them to watch on Nick and Disney for girls specifically. There's nothing that the media is empowering. So I started getting a lot of signs and messages and the clear message, I guess, came from when I randomly, I guess it was no accident, ran into Deepak Chopra. I didn't know who he was at the time. This is about 2005. And I ran up to him after he did his lecture and I said, what do you do when you get your dream? Because I don't know what to do with myself. And he said, well, you have to give back. And I said, okay, well, I thought I was doing that. I was the president of a nonprofit organization. I gave money to charity. I was volunteering my time. I was doing all that. What do you mean? And he was like, no, 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 no. Trust me. You'll figure it out. And I realized through a sequence of events, um, which eventually I'm going to write a book about my journey um, giving back meant I needed to create something that was empowering Lang Lang Barbie and Bratz, except educational and empowering, um, similar to what Gina Davis was talking about. So that's technically how Wiz Girls and Playworks in the Academy was born. Now, specifically the Academy, like I mentioned earlier, I learned how to code on my own a couple years ago because I was looking for a tech co-founder and I had all these tech visions in my head, but I couldn't clearly state them. So I learned it all by myself and speaking at like an all girls private school here in LA, uh, the white house asked me to host a hackathon last January for the white house council on women and girls. I was telling friends, you know, I'm coding, come to a hackathon. We're doing this or just speaking to people about it. Uh, I realized a lot of girls don't know what coding is. They don't, they have no idea what a hackathon is. And this is like anywhere from eight to, I don't know, um, even some people in their 50s, they had no clue what hackathons were. So it was getting a clear sign that I needed to create something. So basically, Wiz Girls Academy was born from a need. Um, and I don't know if you're aware, but the White House has an initiative that by the year 2020, they need to get 20 million people into engineering and coding jobs because those are the most, uh, well, highly paid, but also most available jobs right now. And there's there's not enough people to fill them. So I wanted to empower girls with the games that we create, but also with technology, because I think that's the next level. I mean, we're living in a digital age. Fantastic. We're going to be going to break very shortly. And when we come back, I would like for you to define what code writing is, um, what hackathons are all about, and talk more about STEM, which is really where we are headed both academically and globally. You're listening to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. My guest today is Shireen Laoraz Salemnia. She is the founder of Wiz Girls Academy, and you can find her at www.wiz.com. 
girlsacademy.com. On Twitter, she is at Shireen Solemnia, and let me spell that for you, it's S-H-I-R-I-N. S-A-L-E-M-N-I-A, and that's at Shireen Salemnia. And on Facebook, she is WizGirls, WizGirls Academy at the B-G-C-V. Here come the tunes. We'll be right back. We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on Toginet.com. Like us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and on Twitter at HH Talk Radio. Lisa returns with more of Harvesting Happiness following this short break. Nothing gives happiness like a free, free, free gift. Lisa Cypress came and has made her first ebook, Got Happiness Now? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life. Available at no cost to everyone. Unwrap your complimentary copy now by visiting www.harvestinghappinesstalkradio.com. Are you or do you know a returning U.S. military man or woman in need of restoring joy in their lives? Did you know that our nonprofit, Harvesting Happiness for Heroes, offers stigma-free combat trauma and post-deployment reintegration programming? Check us out at www.hh4heroes.org. That's HH, the number four, and heroes.org. Happiness is an inside job. Wear the message on T-shirts, baseball caps, sterling silver designer jewelry, and more. Please visit our online boutique at www.harvestinghappiness.com. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on Toginet, the show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on toginet.com. And now back to your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. back. If you're just joining us now, I urge you to download this podcast on iTunes. Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio is available 24-7, 365 days a year. It's free, it's kind, it's legal, and it's at the ready. So I'm focusing today on social entrepreneurship and a little bit of the tech world with my guest, Shireen Laoraz Salemnia, who is the founder of the Wiz Girls Academy. And her focus is all about empowering girls in particular to um, get interested, engaged, and immerse themselves in the world, the tech world, um, where she teaches code and how to create, I, I'm assuming, virtual games for our young girls. So, Shireen, talk a little bit about what writing code is about. How, you know, when people say, oh, I need a coder, what does that mean? So typically coding um, means you're a programmer, a developer, an engineer. There's back-end developers. There's front-end developers. What we do in Wizgirls Academy is um, basically you're a secret agent on a mission to learn how to code. And, yes, we are very focused on girls. But recently we've um, 
taken on boys and older boys too. So our, originally our focus was 8 to 13-year-olds, specifically just girls. But we found that there's a need for boys and older as well. And I just heard that uh, we we just finished our uh, fifth program at the L.A. Public Library downtown at the Juniper Brasso Ranch. And we had mostly 16, 17-year-old boys. And I just heard the librarians say they want to be engineers now because of this program. So what we do is we teach HTML and CSS, very specific languages, but it's all project-based learning. So it's themed, and you're a super secret agent on a mission to learn how to code, whereas it's mm. not just coding. And when you're just coding, it's very hard because I remember doing it myself, and I wanted to pull my hair out. Uh, and it's a little bit more like an immersive gamed experience where it's project-based, and you just learn in a fun way. And um, like I said, the 8- to 13-year-old girls that originally we started the program with, the pilot over the summer at the Boys and Girls Club here in Venice, uh, were really engaged. And we sprinkled in a few boys just to test it to see how it went. And that was more of a summer camp where it was uh, from 10 to 3 for one week, and we had coding, specifically HTML and CSS. Um, we had healthy eating, so we had Cafe Gratitude and Veggie Grill and Super Healthy Places Donate Food. We happened to have Michael Nicholson, old basketball coach in the building, so he was doing basketball for a couple of days. We had uh, one of Lady Gaga's old choreographers doing dancing for a day. We had an old Olympic trainer doing um, running and secret agent style yoga. So it was all themed, uh, and that's how the program started, and then we evolved into uh, Mark Twain, which is an LAUSD middle school for all girls in Venice, and then that evolved to the Camarillo Library, and like I said, we, we finished in the LA Public Library downtown, and we're currently at an all-girls charter high school in the Rampart Division. So our focus is really HTML and CSS, but uh, a balanced, lifestyled individual in the summer camp and the after-school programs are mostly uh, focused on coding and entrepreneurship. Fantastic. So not only are these young women and some guys sprinkled in there for good measure, uh, getting skills that they can go out into life and use, but they're also learning how to take really good care of their bodies and their minds. And, and, and I love that. I love this integrated platform that you're running this programming on. This is Terrific. What are your plans for the future to take this across the country to train others to do this? Yes, actually, we've got requests to take this across the country from people in Vegas and Philly and um, New Jersey. I'm I'm in in talks with them now. We'd like to ultimately build a platform to continue online. So I think starting out with the younger kids in person makes a huge difference because they bounce ideas off each other and they team up and Every single time, it hasn't failed, every single time, they end up on the last day hacking other people's code and yelling, oh, I found this code, and can you share this one, and how do you create this in the background? And they start really getting into it, which is our goal, really to spark their interest, to get excited. And also, I forgot to mention, so the entrepreneurship part is we have females and males that started tech companies or went to MIT uh, talk about how they got into their STEM careers and how they started coding and how they started gaming companies. So past speakers have included uh, Will I Am, STEM manager. Uh, she started out uh, at MIT, then she ended up working for Angry Birds. Now she works for Will I Am as a STEM manager. We've had um, 
the founder of Two Bit Circus talking. We've had other founders really talking about how they started their companies, and it's really empowering for these kids to relate and see like real people doing real jobs that are in the tech space. And they don't realize like how much money you can make when you're a coder. It's it's big business. I always mention um, every day we talk about what's the tech news of the day when we go to uh, coding class, and we also talk about how much money you can make at Google or any other big tech company. And it's mind-boggling because some of these kids have no idea uh, how much is involved. How much does an average coder make? Well, uh, $90,000 to start, and you don't really need to have a degree in computer science, but you could. Wow. This is phenomenal. Listen up. You know, everybody out there that has uh, children who are working to figure out what to do in their lives, what I do know about working in technology, and I'm assuming that includes coding, is that you don't have to give up your life, that that coders are interesting people, as most people who are in the tech industry. They really are, have very diverse interests. And, you know, if you hold the image of a Google campus, for example, where people are skateboarding around and and walking their dogs, um, life, it's a very authentic, seamless life, isn't it, for these people? Yeah, exactly. If you've seen the internship movie, that's a great example of what Google has to offer. I mean, they offer free lunch, breakfast, dinner, free gym, free laundry. I mean, most of the high-tech campuses up north in Silicon Valley are pretty much that they offer that i know here in la um google has that as well but i realized that a lot of my friends that are coders or engineers even though they have access to all this free stuff they don't take care of themselves and they're just really coding a lot and not getting up and taking breaks so i wanted to integrate something for the kids that would be like balanced lifestyle and that way at a younger age it's a habit where you learn at a younger age and then you as you grow you learn and you start um, doing that every day in your life. Absolutely. No, the the, the learning to uh, take good care of oneself and to have self-mastery in all these areas of our lives, not just professionally, but, you know, how we take care of our health, how we take care of our emotions, how we take care of ourselves, even spiritually. And I'm not speaking in a religious sense, but I'm speaking in sort of a more global sense, makes for healthier, happier individuals and ultimately families as these kids grow up and create their own families. Absolutely. That's really interesting because the current school that we're at, the charter school, they teach uh, transcendental meditation to these girls. And I thought, wow, that's awesome. I'd love to incorporate that somehow into our program. They uh, Yes, I, I have heard that this is going on in some of the schools um, in, in L.A. Actually, I'm a TM practitioner myself, and I do teach um, meditation and mindfulness training in our own workshops that we do with addiction recovery and eating disorders and with the, the vets, because part of what we do is through our nonprofit is work with veterans who are returning from war. And it's such a useful tool. It is... Um, the cheapest, you know, it's free, you know, it's kind, free and legal meditation. It's easy. No, no medicine bottle required, but let's go on to hackathons. What is a hack hackathon and why are they so much fun? All right. So I think the best representation of a hackathon is the social network movie where, um, they show the guy that plays Mark Zuckerberg getting together with a ton of people and they have beer 
and they just hack away for like a few days and nights back to back and they build something. And that's technically how Facebook uh, was born with hackathons. When we did our White House uh, hackathon, we didn't really call it a hackathon. We called it an app challenge. Um, it was a challenge for the Equal Futures app. And basically what we did was we had um, a directive that we needed to make something for civic leadership for women specifically. And we actually had four cities involved. So it was L.A., Boston, Philly, and D.C. And we were live on Google Hangout with two people from the White House. So there was um, the head of the Women and Girls Council and the head of mobile for the CTO of the White House. And they were cheering us on, and we were live, like I said, in, in four cities. And we did it for a full day. Uh, but normally a hackathon is over a weekend, and there's a ton of hackathons going on now in L.A. every weekend practically. Uh, the big one um, that's happening now twice a year, once in June and once in December, is the Civic uh, Hack for L.A. And that's um, similar to what we did through the White House. It's a directive. And they basically get together for a weekend and hack away uh, something in the civic space. Um, the last one that I went to uh, in June was in Boyle Heights, and that was led by Will I Am's team again. And it was all about um, how they can make Boyle Heights better and how they can um, create things that can affect their neighborhood. And so in a sense, let me in just, we need to wrap up because we've run out of time. Hackathons are their digital think tanks where people get together and they are solving um, either community problems or other uh, tasks. You know, they're charged with a task. And the idea is that all these brains come together and they create a, a digital solution. And this is so cool. And I would love to have you back again in a few months and follow up and see what's going on at WizGirls Academy and support your initiative because I think you're doing great work. Um, to learn more about Shireen Salemnia and her amazing work, go to www.wizgirlsacademy.com. And WizGirls is plural. On Twitter, she is at Shireen Salemnia. And let me spell that for you once again. It's S-H-I-R-I-N-S-A-L-E-M. N-I-A on Facebook. She is WizGirls, WizGirls Academy at the B-G-C-B. Have a great day, Shireen, and thank you for being with us on this virtual brainstorming session to introduce WizGirls Academy and these hackathons and coding to our listeners who may or may not know what the hell's going on in the virtual world. So have a great one, and thanks for joining us. Are you or do you know a returning U.S. military man or woman in need of restoring joy in their lives? Did you know that our nonprofit, Harvesting Happiness for Heroes, offers stigma-free combat trauma and post-deployment reintegration programming? Check us out at www.hh4heroes.org. That's HH, the number four, and heroes.org. We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on toginet.com. Like us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and on Twitter at HH Talk Radio. 
Lisa returns with more of Harvesting Happiness following this short break. Like what you hear on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio? Subscribe to us on iTunes and get your weekly dose of joy downloaded free and easily to your computer or portable device. That's Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio on iTunes. Nothing gives happiness like a free gift. Lisa Cypress Kamen has made her first ebook, Got Happiness Now? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life, available at no cost to everyone. Unwrap your complimentary copy now by visiting www.harvestinghappinesstalkradio.com. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on Toginet, the show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on Toginet.com. And now back to your host, Lisa Cypress Kamen. We are talking about social entrepreneurship today and how that ties into finding passion, purpose, place, and meaning in life. And my next guest is doing just that. She is awesome. I would love to welcome Mickey Argawal. She's a serial social entrepreneur. She was a recipient of the 2013 Tribeca Film Festival's Disruptive Innovation Award and named 2013 Forbes's Top 20 Millennials on a Mission. She really is awesome. She's got several businesses, and I'm just going to name a couple of them. She is the founder of the acclaimed farm-to-table alternative pizza concept, called Wild, eatdrinkwild.com in New York City. She's partnered with Zappos.com CEO Tony Shea to open the concept of Wild in downtown Las Vegas. And her next undertaking, which I'm really interested to speak with her about, is entitled Thinks, shethinks.com. It's a high-tech, beautiful underwear solution for women during their time of the month. And she is doing something awesome with those underwear. But on top of that, if that's not enough, she is an author, and her most recent book is called Do Cool Shit, and we are going to talk about doing her seriously cool shit here. Welcome, Mickey. <laughs> Thank you. Hi. Glad to be here. Hi. Wow, you are a dynamo. You are uh, really a force to be reckoned with, and I have so many questions, and I don't know where to start first, but let's, go, let's, let's just jump right into those things. Exciting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is very exciting, actually, because this is, this is about creating a product that is doing good and changing lives. Yeah. So basically, um, you know, two problems. You know, one here, just as busy women, you know, we're running around all day long. And, you know, when we have our time of the month, when we have our periods, sometimes we forget to change our tamp on our pad. And then we have overflow. We have accidents. We have leaks. We have stains. And we have to interrupt our day um, and change our underwear. It was just a big, giant issue for me every month. And I discovered that it wasn't just an issue for me, but it was an issue for, for pretty much all women that I know. At some point in their lives, they've had issues when they have um, their periods. So, um, so, you know, problem one, you know, the solution for that was to invent and patent a new kind of underwear, um, one that sort of has these special technologies in it that make them support women every day of the month. So, we, you know, the technology that we patented is called Thinks Quad Tech. 
and it allows the women the, the underwear to be um, uh, antimicrobial, moisture wicking, absorbent, and most importantly, leak and stain resistant, um, and just gives women peace of mind um, when when you know when when they have their, their time of the month or or any you know any other issue that women have. Um, so that's problem number one. And then you know problem number two is that you know in, in the developing world, um, one of the story is that you know I went to to Africa. I met this young girl, um, and it was a weekday, and, and she was like no no older than twelve years old. And I asked her, you know, why aren't you in school? It's a weekday, and she said, it's my week of shame. And so I discovered that when she has her period, she uses things like leaves and old dirty rags and plastic bags to manage her her period. And she eventually, you know, misses a week of school and eventually drops out. And then I discovered that over a hundred million girls in the developing world are missing a week of school because of their periods. And nobody's talking about it because it's a taboo subject. Um, and so to solve that, you know, we, we decided that for every pair of underwear that we sell here that solves a problem for us, uh, we fund the production of seven washable, reusable cloth pads that goes to a girl in the developing world so she can go back to school without worrying. This is awesome. And this is social entrepreneurship in action. And there are other companies out there that have done this similar model. You know, it's really like you buy one for yourself and you are creating good, um, a land away for someone else. And I love this. I love this because talk about passion, purpose, place, and meaning. You got it all, all there <laughs> in <you>. those underwear. <laughs> Thank you. We're actually, we're actually working on two new patents right now. That one that's going to disrupt the tampon, another one that's going to disrupt the pad. Um, you know, just the, you know, one woman in her lifetime disposes 17,000 plastic tampon applicators if she's a tampon wearer and that ends up in a landfill ends up in the ocean you know in one year alone the u.s coast guard collected a hundred thousand tampon applicators that washed ashore um and that's not including the millions and millions that are in the ocean that fish are you know interacting with now and it's causing you know big problems in the ecosystem so we're reinventing the tampon as well you know and the, the tampon was invented in 1931 by a man actually and since then there's been really no innovation in that space so we're completely reinventing that and that's going to be come out coming out soon as well and this really isn't another example of positive disruption. I mean, this is about, you know, making a change. It is reinventing the mousetrap. It's making a better mousetrap. And mm-hmm. I, I like that. You know, my brain gravitates towards that. And I, have, I do have a fashion question. And it, it may make you laugh. I, I hope you see the humor in it. Do things come in a uh, G-string model? <laughs> we do have a thong. Absolutely. We have a thong <laughs> that actually that rivals hanky-panky. Um, it looks and feels like hanky panky, but it has our special technology in it um, that gives you peace of mind. And of course, for every pair that you buy, we fund a seven reusable pads to a girl in developing world. So, you know, our thong, we have a cheeky, um, which are no panty lines as well. We have our hip hugger, which is for our heavy flow days. So that each one of our styles actually have different flow levels. So if, you have, if you're on your first couple of days, your period, you do want to wear your hip hugger pair because that really supports it. It actually absorbs up to six teaspoons of liquid. Um, and then the other pairs, you know, the, the, the absorption levels are a bit, you know, go five, four, and then, you know, three teaspoons, um, and then two teaspoons for the, for the, um, for the thong. So on your last couple of days of your period, you don't have to worry, um, but you, you still, you can still wear a thong. This is incredible because this is replacing the, and I'm doing the air quotes here as I'm speaking to you, yeah. <laughs> feminine hygiene products. Yeah, that's right. So, so well, so on your first couple of days of your period, you do, I, we do recommend you wear a tampon or a pad, um, you know, on your first heavy days. But on your last few days, you actually don't need to wear anything at all, and it supports you perfectly. Um, but you know, women who find that to be kind of queasy or weird to not to kind of you know 
pee, whatever, you know, go in your underwear to and not worry. To go with the flow. <laughs> to go with the flow in your underwear, exactly. Um, you know, you can, you can still use it just as backup support. Like women are constantly, you know, getting up there off their chairs and like looking back to make sure no stains or, you know, running home and having to like put a sweat around their waist. And these are things that are just very normal. You know, two billion women on the planet have their periods today and there's been little innovation um, in, in the feminine hygiene space because it's a taboo subject. Nobody wants to talk about it. Therefore, there's been no innovation. And so we're here to, to make all those changes. <laughs> This is phenomenal. The word that comes to mind is, as you're talking, I'm thinking, is congruency. And this plays into how you work, how you are an entrepreneur in the world. Can you talk a little bit about that, you know, that about, you know, walking your talk? Yeah, well, I think, I think you know, ultimately it's, it's really just about problem solving, right? Like, you know, for me, you know, my, my mom and dad were both, my mom came from Japan, and my dad came from India with, you know, $5 in his pocket. And, you know, in, in, you know, they learned to problem solve our whole lives. You know, when we were in third grade, they didn't see, you know, a gifted children's camp. And so without any experience, they created the gifted children's camp. And then in ninth grade, they decided that, you know, kids needed to learn about electronics. And so they started an electronics company called Tomorrow's Professionals that taught kids about electronics. Um, and so, you know, watching them kind of just like take on the roles and create things because of necessity for them, you know, they, you know, it was, it was a great example. So, you know, there's a saying, necessity is the mother, mother of invention. And so for me, for my first, you know, business, it was, it was born out of a stomach ache. So I built, you know, a gluten-free, you know, farm to table restaurant concept. And so I have three restaurants now and growing, um, called wild. If you can go, you can go to eatdrinkwild.com and check that out. Um, and then, you know, then the next problem was that, you know, childhood obesity was a huge issue um, in that, you know, one in three children are now overweight or obese um, on this, you know, in this country. Um, and, and that, you know, the lifespan of a child today, you know, is actually less than the, the lifespan of, of their parents, which is the first time in its, in its time. So, you know, my sister and I, you know, cre- created this company called the Super Sprouts which my twin sister is now running. Uh, it's like Sesame Street, but focusing on nutrition, wellness, education. And then, you know, and then this monthly issue happened every single month where we had our periods and had accidents, had issues, and discovered that there's been no innovation in feminine hygiene. So, you know, this is sort of my full-time job now. Yeah. Well, and it is pursuing your bliss. I mean, that's okay. what I hear in your voice, you know, that the, when, you, when, you, when you listen for the energy in another person's voice when they talk about what they're doing and, and their life's purpose, it doesn't matter what the widget is per se, but there is, there's passion about what you are doing because it aligns with your values. And I think that's where I'm going with this, that, that, that there's something that is unique to you that I love sharing with people on this show that everybody who comes on there has this, there's this, that little something, something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, you know, the, the mystery of life is that you never know when it's going to end. Right. And so for me, you know, the following my bliss moment kind of came, my aha moment came after nine 11, you know, I was supposed to be there on that day. I was, I was working in investment banking and, um, and for the first time in my life, I slept through my alarm clock and, you know, two people in my office died and, and lots and lots of people around me died. And, um, and, and it was my wake-up call. I missed it and it was sort of my chance to, to follow my bliss. Yeah. Oh, and I'm so glad you did because you are doing <laughs> cool shit. Thank <laughs> 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 you. And let's talk about the cool shit. Yeah, absolutely. So, so Do Cool Shit is a book that, um, that I wrote uh, and it came out this past August but, you know, by, through HarperCollins. Um, it was super thrilling. Um, actually, it hit number one on Amazon in entrepreneurship books, which was really, really exciting. Um, but really the, the, reason, the reason why the book came to be was, was that 
you know, just looking at the landscape today in this day and age, you know, like 56% of kids coming out of college today are unemployed or underemployed. And, um, you know, there's, there's just, you know, crazy statistics around, around kids coming out of college and with the promise of having a you know, gainful employment and they don't. And so, you know, entrepreneurship is really one of the only viable and vibrant options. It's something that I like, you know, it's, it's something I like to say, a viable and vibrant options, you know, and there's, and there's, you know, there's there's an opportunity there to really follow your bliss. But but if if you don't know how, then there should be a book about how to do that. And I feel like you know we read great books like you know like Losing My Virginity by Richard Branson, which is one of my favorite books of all time. You know, um, it it gives you a lot of like you know inspiration. But you're like, well, what did he say in his first meeting to get his first twenty five thousand dollar check? Like, what did he say for the first time when he didn't know anybody to get pressed to write about him? Like, how did he? How did he eliminate negative relationships in his life to to create room for inspiring ones? You know, so so there were all these questions that people kept asking me over and over over the years, and I said, well, there's there's this, there's a book there. There's a book that teaches you how to go from step zero to step one in business and life with granular, tangible takeaways on how to do that. Phenomenal. Uh, and we're going to go to a break in a minute. And when we come back, yeah. I want to talk about um, making room for positive relationships because you talked about you know your um, uh, inspiration and Richard Branson talking about eliminating negative ones, but you're yeah. focusing on the positive. You're focusing Absolutely. on the upside and teasing. I mean, I think you're somewhat of a teaser, and, and I don't mean that in the titillating way. I mean mm-hmm. in, in that you're able to tease out, to tease out and see the need and then dive in and make it happen. And that is um, a unique quality and I believe one that can be taught. Absolutely, 100%. 100%. And- no, go ahead. We, so, we do so, have a couple. We do have oh, a few seconds. You know. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, so I think you know, step one is just to kind of like really decide, like you know, create a list. I talk about that in my book. You know, one side the deplete list, on the other side the inspire list. And the deplete side is really you know thinking about the people who, you know, who who aren't necessarily supporting you. It could be a family member telling you to be a banker, but you don't want to be a banker. You know, it could be you know a friend you know making making fun of you for for working on the weekends on your project. You know, so just so so really, even if a friend who you've been a friend with for seventeen years or fifteen years, they may no, no longer be part of your 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 growth, and so you have to slowly start you know stop you know answering their calls and start seeking people who will give you the inspiration to continue. Who you hang out with is what you become, and I really yeah. do think that. I mean, I've got teenagers, and that is what I tell them. We are going to a break, and when we come back, we're going to continue the conversation with Mickey Agarwal. To learn more, you can go to her website, MickeyArgawal.com, DoCoolShit.org, and SheThinks.com. Here come those tunes. Thank you. I wanted to make a difference. I wanted to fight. We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Heart Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on Toginet.com. Like us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and on Twitter at HH Talk Radio. Lisa returns with more of Harvesting Happiness following this short break. Do you like Lisa's take on happiness, well-being, and human flourishing? Join us this spring as Harvesting Happiness launches online classroom programming where Lisa Cypress Kamen will offer her workshop series across the globe and from the comfort of wherever you are. Visit HarvestingHappiness.com for more details. Be a part of the Grateful Good. Grateful Nation brings together patients, families, friends, and staff of Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center 
to support the quality care and groundbreaking research at the Medical Center. Through new and traditional media, members of Grateful Nation share experiences, thank our caregivers and researchers, participate in sweepstakes, and gather to sponsor and host events and much more. Being grateful inspires others to be grateful as well. Isn't it time we jumpstart some perpetual gratitude? Visit Grateful Nation online to find out more at www.gratefulnation.org. Have a grateful day. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on Toginet, the show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on Toginet.com. And now back to your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Welcome back. We are here doing cool shit with Mickey Argoal today. She is a serial social entrepreneur and she is awesome. She uh, is following her bliss. You know, she is uh, redefining entrepreneurship for herself. She's teaching others, especially young men and women who are coming out of college and not knowing how to create a business world from them for themselves when conventional business as we knew it or the conventional professional track is no longer a viable option to sustain us completely. Yep. You know, the world has changed. The post-recession world is a different landscape. And Mickey, you are guiding young people to find their way in this awesome. new garden. Yeah, well, <laughs> or so, create the so- garden. <laughs> Yeah, well, so so Steve Jobs said something you know was very profound um, that that I you know that I actually talk about in my book as well, and he said that you know we live in a world um, where the society that we live in, and I use a society in quotes, you know, was was created by people no different and no smarter than you or me, and this was you know hundreds or you know years ago and years and years ago that created this society, and once you realize that that this society was created by people no no different or smarter than you or me, then your whole world changes, your whole perspective changes. Like we can create anything we want, you know, and we don't have to abide by necessarily college, grad school, get a job, get a white picket fence house, get a car, you know, have a child, you know, like all the, the things that society is telling you to do, you know, to have a very like safe life. Like having a safe life is really not in my cards whatsoever. And I would rather follow my bliss and, and you know, and, and get you know, a lot of bumps and bruises along the way but create my own society. Well, what is a safe life? I think that many of us who, who have seen 9-11, who have seen the Boston you know, Marathon bombings, yeah. who, have, who have witnessed the wars that have gone on over the past 10, 12 years, the, um, the theme of a safe life is really an illusion. The, the safety lies within what we're able to create. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I, was, I actually ran into a bunch of investment bankers and consultants yesterday at this, at this event um, and, you know, for, I, for Ivy League, you know, students, graduates, and it was just like the pressure they have to like come out of college and become bankers and consultants is just like they're, they're pressured into doing that. And you know, we, went, we went to this talk yesterday and they were just so like, oh, my God, it might be too late for me. It might be too late for me. And she's like, no, it's not too late. You know, make the change. Make the change now. 
Um, it's never too late. It's you know, never it's like too late. Yeah. We are all going on that trajectory, you know, from yeah. the beginning to the end. We're, we're all on that same path. And totally. it's never too late. We're all going there. The end point, we know what's going to happen. So right. we don't really need to worry too much about that. Yeah. But the, and, ju- the, the journey in between is what we have control over. It, absolutely. And, you know, and for, for me, like, you know, having a supportive community, I talk about that all the time. It's just like, you know, two things that I that require in every one of my friends. You know, one is inspiration. Am I inspired by what they're doing? Do they, do they really drive me to want to be, you know, smarter, better, and, you know, pursue what, what, what my destiny, you know, says because I'm surrounded by people who are living inspired lives. And the other thing is support. You know, they, all my friends support everything that I do. They're, they celebrate the victories. They're there for me when I, when, I, when I fail. And, you know, having those people, you know, kind of boosting you up. You know, my community, we, we call ourselves the boom spiral. Um, so it's the opposite of a doom spiral. And so as a collective, we create a boom, you know, upward. Um, and, and, you know, without, without my tribe, you know, it's, I feel like so much of, of what I'm doing every day is, is going to be that much more difficult. But the fact that I have really, really strong ties with some of the most inspiring people and supportive people in my life, you know, it allows me to, to keep going. You know, so I think when people are really deciding what they want to do with their lives, they have to really evaluate the people they spend their time with. You know, are they allowing you to be the best version of yourself? Are they celebrating your choices to build something? Are they, you know, are they, you know, thinking about about how to support you as you build the, those things? You know, these are those are very important questions that that you have to ask of your friends. And if they're not willing to do that, then it, then they're not part of your your matrix. You know, so. You make a very good point, and this too can happen at any age, particularly for people who have gone through transitions in midlife. You know, right. you have people who have gone through the recession who might have lost their businesses, lost their homes, Absolutely. lost their marriages, uh, and they, in order to step to the next place, there is a radical shift that has to occur. I mean, it's not yep. just maybe; it has to occur, and that involves letting go of some yep. of um, the old. Uh, uh, constricts of this past life. Yep. And that's hard to do. Oh my God, it's so hard, especially if it's a family member, if it's a parent who's like, no, be a doctor, no, be a lawyer, no, that's your track. It's because you know, that's what I decide for you. It's like to say no to that and to have to defy that and to go off your own, go on your own path, knowing that there's somebody scrutinizing all of your moves is a very challenging thought. And so to have to like really truly allow yourself to like, you know, say, no, I'm not going to listen to those. I'm continuing. I'm going to follow my bliss. This is my life. The mystery of life is that you'll never know when it's going to end. It might end tomorrow. I have to pursue, you know, what makes me happy, you know? And so, um, you know, I think you think about like, you know, I talk about people who work in, in my team, for example, I'm sitting next to one now. It's like, you know, the opportunity to go and, and work for potentially a big company and make a lot more money is, is there for her. But the ability to kind of be, you know, part of something that's growing, that's burgeoning, where everyone's learning together and growing together is a lot more exciting, you know, and I feel like as for me, you know, if I was, you know, if I was to make a decision now, knowing what I know now, I probably not, wouldn't have gone into investment banking, you know, so, um, you know, I, I think, I think, I think, you know, following your bliss uh, comes in many forms. Uh, but that investment banking is probably a feather in your back pocket in that, you know how to look for the money. You know how to look for the collaboration because of that education, I, I, think, I believe. Well, I think, ba- you know, back in the day, that could have been, yes. 
But today, there's so many kids coming out of college and are, are raising money for their businesses, are creating, you know, without having any experience. We live in a different landscape. There's Kickstarter now. There's Indiegogo. You can now crowdfund any idea, you know, if you have a good idea. You don't need to necessarily raise money from people. You can crowdfund and pre-sell, you know, products in that, that will then, you know, allow you to have enough money to build something. There's so many new ways to now, like, you know, to, 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 to build credibility and, you know, investment banking you know, 10, 15 years ago could have been a great credibility booster. But today it's like, you know, can you create something and put something in the marketplace and actually sell something that people are responding to? I mean, that is a lot more impressive than pushing, you know, in, you know, doing Excel spreadsheets, you know, you're in this That's living. True. So, um, so yeah, I mean, again, like, you know, when I graduated from college, this wasn't an option and now it is. And it's a very real, very viable, very vibrant option. So um, it's exciting. Well, you know, you mentioned about um, graduating from college and, and, um, and the options that we have. For example, my, my prior guest, Shireen, uh, she, she was talking about coding, writing code. Right. Cod- coders are in such huge demand totally. that you cannot even have a, a, a high school diploma. You can write code and have a starting income that's around $90,000 a year. Yep. And that's like – that like blows the roof off this concept of con- conventional education. So Absolutely. I do hear where you're coming from, and, and I do agree. But yeah. that, that requires an out-of-the-box mentality that not everybody naturally possesses. Right. Right. And I think, again, if, you know, as you start to like, explore, discover, you know, companies like one of my best friends founded a company called General Assembly. And in three months, you can turn a pizza delivery guy into a coder, a full-fledged coder earning you know, 75, 90K a year after three months. You know, and, uh, and, and that's a promise that's completely different than going to a four-year college where you're coming out with $120,000 in debt. You know? And so, um, yeah, I mean, the, the landscape of education, the landscape of entrepreneurship, that's completely changing the status quo, and I'm so thrilled about it. I am too. Let's talk about what businesses can do to contribute to the global community. Um, I think, you know, I think when everyone is, you know, now as, as companies and as people are getting sort of, you know, we live in a noisy world today. Everyone's advertising to you. There's a pop-up and a banner and a, you know, whatever, everywhere you look, there's some, there's some kind of advertising. So what's going to get people passionate and engaged about your brand and your business is a mission is, you know, helping people around the world is, is having mission driven companies. And that will also retain good employees. That'll, that'll, you know, that'll motivate consumers to continue to stick with you because they believe in what your the mission of your business, you know, so for us with thinks, you know, it's been very, you know, we, we did a big survey to, you know, thousands of people and we got 500 responses back and the, you know, number two reason outside of, you know, period relief was the fact that, you know, women want to serve and, and give back. And the mission was the second biggest reason why people purchased our product. And, you know, that was very, very telling. You know, people are very, very excited to support businesses that, have, that are mission driven and people are willing, the best people are willing to actually, um, uh, you know, work and stay in companies that are mission driven. Look at Tom's, you know, Tom's have, you know, highest, one of the highest retention of any company because they are a mission driven company. 
I, I was thinking of Tom's when I was reading your bio when we began, but I was, I'm yeah. also thinking about like Pura Vida bracelets and bead relief, which are companies that support our nonprofit. We have a nonprofit that delivers cool. uh, uh, stigma-free combat trauma recovery programming to veterans. That's so great. It, it, which is, you know, I mean, imagine that you come back from war and you have a hard time. I can't even imagine. Right. right. I mean, and I say that quite yeah, facetiously totally. yeah. and, and sarcastically, but, um, okay. You need help, and there's stigma often associated Absolutely. with seeking the helps. So we give them coaching. We give them free, positive psychology coaching, how to apply these principles and theories to um, shift your emotions, which is fantastic. It works. It's great. But then we have partnerships with Bead Relief and Pura Vida. They have a bracelet that they've designed for our nonprofit. They sell a bracelet. They give us 20%. I mean, it's brilliant. That's great. Yeah, that's great. Absolutely. That's right. So like now your nonprofit is more engaged to support that company to sell the bracelet. You know, they're more excited to support your company by selling more bracelets. You know, it's, a, it's a such a win-win. Social entrepreneurship is like one of the best ways. I talk to my friends who are interested in starting nonprofits and I'm like, do not start a nonprofit. Create a product that people want and then you can do as much good as you want because you're making money off the product that people exactly. want. Exactly. You know, it's and very making sim- money is a good thing. I mean, making Absolutely. money is not, sh- and not shameful. You know, it's no, no, no. It. And that's that, why social that, entrepreneurship. That's why social entrepreneurship is so motivating for entrepreneurs. Is that you're doing great impact, positive work, but you're making a lot of money at the same time. You get both. I mean, you absolutely can have both, and that's exactly what social entrepreneurship is. And that's why we love it. And that's why we love doing this show. We are out of time. And I want to give your contact points again to yep. learn more about one of the coolest girls on the planet who is doing <laughs> cool shit. Go to cool, docoolshit.org. She thinks, she thinks and that's, with an X. Yeah. Exactly. I was going to plug the X in there. And then to know more about you, the fabulous Mickey Agrawal, go to mickeyagrawal.com. And here are a few thoughts before we part. Happiness is not a destination. It cannot be bought, sold, or traded. Happiness will never invite you to the party. Happiness simply comes down to a choice to show up each and every day in the world with passion, purpose, place, and meaning. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. Wishing you all kind thoughts, kinder words, and the kindest of actions. Until next time, remember... Happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. Thanks to our producers who make us look fabulous each and every week. We appreciate you and thank you. Next week, we're focusing on sleep and happiness. And yes, there is a connection. Here come those tunes. Take care. Thank you. Don't come easy. Nobody got no time anyway. Somehow. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio with Lisa Cypress Kamen. Join us every Wednesday morning live at 10 to 11 Central Time here on TogiNet Radio. Then harvest your own happiness anytime from the comfort of wherever you are with free downloadable podcasts.